Hello and welcome into the 23rd episode of the Promo Guy podcast brought to you by Mojo, the stock market for sports. Mojo is the sports stock market offering probability-based odds, live cash outs, and a one-of-a-kind player prop selection. And now, the creators of Sunday Slams are bringing you an all-new way to play DFS. Sign up using code TPG for a 100% deposit match up to $100. As always, I'm joined by Nick from Blue Duck Media. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good. What's up with you, Promo Guy? How's it going? I am good. Survived a weekend of truly bad beats, which we will get into, but... Well, talking about surviving, are you in any uh, survivor pools? I'm not. You know, we have the uh, the one K survivor pool in the Discord, like the the one that we sponsored. But I didn't actually end up creating one, so no, I'm not in any survivors. But I feel like that's the same for most people after week two, right? Or after week three? Sorry. Yeah, this was a really tough. I mean, it's funny because the public has been doing so well, uh, but. The Cowboys, Ravens, and Jaguars, I feel like, were really popular teams this past week. So I'd say most most uh, survivors got about 50% knocked out. The other thing that's on my mind is this Damian Lillard trade, which I was completely wrong about. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts. We haven't talked about it. I think it makes absolutely no sense for Portland. Oh, I love it. Uh, especially, did you see Shams tweeted, like, half an hour ago what the heat apparently offered or were willing to offer i don't know if it's even true it sounds so like like why would the heat do all that i mean the why is somewhat obvious but it still seems like way too much let me see if i can find the tweet might be in an article um anyway what i read was that the heat were willing to offer hero Jovich, three firsts and then like pick swaps and stuff and Caleb, I think, was in there, too. To be honest, in the end, I think it, because he went to Milwaukee, it's going to be – it's tough for the Heat just because they'll have to get through him. But I think it was really smart to not oh, yeah, throw for sure. everything. I mean, you saw the Knicks do that in 2008, I think it was, when they brought in Melo. And if you give the entire farm away for a single player, be it a superstar – I mean, although it could be a superstar, when Melo came, him and Amari was not enough. If you had been able to keep a Gallinari or a Wilson Chandler, that could have been like the extra wing defender and scorer. That no, for sure. I don't know. I'm glad that for the Heat that they didn't do this trade. I, I yeah, that's what that's kind of what I'm getting. Like, I don't know why they would offer all that, but even the offer that's sort of like widely assumed, which is two firsts. Whatever they can flip Tyler for plus one of Jovich or Yakez. So that to me, like I said before, if you if you assume heroes about or worth about a first, which I think a few teams said they would trade a first for him, then that would be the equivalent of four first round picks, which I think is the, the basically the right number. Instead, what they got was Drew thirty three year old Drew Holiday on a not great contract. Um, I don't know that they can flip him for a first. Maybe. Uh, I guess we'll have to see because I highly doubt they keep him given that he's a guard that's not on their timeline and obviously the wrong position. But clearly worth less than Tyler Hero. Uh, I think any, anyone could agree a 33-year-old Drew on a bad contract would not get flipped for as much as Hero would with four years left. But anyway, uh, we should get into EV betting and all that. So... <laughs> 
Uh, let's do the state of the stack, yeah? Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, let's hit the state of the stack. Go on. Uh, state of the stack. So what a painful week considering we didn't lose much money. Uh, Thursday was great. So last episode was right. So Thursday was great. But we had, uh, I'm not gonna be able to do all this off the top of my head, but we had the McCaffrey hit, which I'll get into later. We had the, um, I believe the FanDuel boost hit that night. The both teams to score in the third quarter on FanDuel hit that night and the no run first inning hit that night. So I think we were like 4-0, 4-1, something like that with, with pretty decent profits. Uh, I think it was just up over 100. Then, I don't remember Friday, it was probably quiet. And then Saturday was looking like it was going to be great. We had the plus 894 free bet hit early. So we were up like 89. I, I think a few of the smaller bets had lost. So maybe we were up like 60. And then Oregon... We had uh, several Oregon plays, Oregon first half, the under in the first quarter, which was an awesome beat because they missed an extra point to cash it. Uh, it would have pushed, but still. And then there was the, there was another, oh, Oregon, like minus 25 and a half, whatever. So it was great. So the action, and then we, we were on to our last legs with, and I'll, we'll get into the beats in a sec, but with Washington State and then the, the Caesars probably. So anyway, all of that washes out and we lose $20. Only looked like a very promising day. I'll get into the bad beats in a little bit. Sunday, a whole day of bad beats uh, and just like close losses. You know, again, I'll get into it in a sec, but we end up heading into the night games after the Caesar debacle down, I think it was like 130, 140 in that range. And then the FanDuel boost hit. I think that was plus, it may have just been plus 100. Uh, so that was 25 bucks. We got back and then we clawed back $70 from the Jalen Warren, the, the SGP hit. So, you know, we only ended up down 30, 40 bucks, something like that on Sundays. We were only down like 50, whatever on the weekend. And then uh, we were up Thursday, so things were going fine. Then Monday we, we, we lost, I think another like 50 bucks. Like since then, I think we lost, so whatever. It's about even on the week, but oh my God. It, it's like the week that could have been with how many, you know, and I've never, I never come on and complain about beats. I'm, I more celebrate the good ones because they're fun, but this was definitely a painful one, especially the Caesars, really both Caesars, uh, and then the Washington State one with the three that stuck out to me. But, you know, overall, happy with all the promos. Our, our, our quantity's high. We're hitting a lot of legs, just, you know, sometimes they don't work out perfectly and you end up kind of, you know, even over a week, two weeks, couple weeks, something like that. So, you know, we're hanging in there, but it's definitely the week that could have been. Yeah, you walked me through some of the bad beats you had yesterday. It is, it's rough. The Washington State. Should one, we do it? Should we do it now? Yeah, I, honestly, go ahead. The Washington State one, I couldn't believe. Yeah, I'll start with Washington State. Then I'll make. So there were three that stuck out. I think we were like one in seven. You know, because we were set up very well this weekend with bets moving on to their last leg. We we had Terry McLaurin under receptions on his last leg. Virginia Tech first half. And all of these were close, by the way. Like, the Virginia Tech first half, like, they were up first and goal at the five, and they can't score, like, whatever. You know, the Devontae Smith was two yards away, like, if you want to call Like, that wasn't even close to one of the worst beats. But we were set up with a lot of on-their-last-leg parlays that sort of fell short. Even last night, the hits one. I mean, the first two hit easily, and then the last one, uh, you know, the Angels can't get any hits. Or even the, the MLB parlay the day before, which got to, got to its last leg of the Rangers' first three innings. 
and all of a sudden the Angels have this perfect offense on that day. So we've had a few of those. That's that's gambling. That happens. Like I said, we did win a bet off of a missed extra point. Um, Jalen Warren kind of barely snuck over his receiving yards, and then you know it got a little sweaty at the end. I don't know if it was like a good beat, but it was it was sweaty for sure. So you know that kind of stuff happens, even if it was seemingly falling on the wrong side a little bit more often than not. Uh, one thing I do like to remind people is like when you have three leg parlays, a lot of the times you end up it ends up feeling like a bad beat because there's four opportunities for a bad beat, and you're not going to notice the good beats because they don't matter because you still lost. So. You know, it's always better than it feels. Anyway, there are three that were truly awful. I'll go through them now. The worst one to me wasn't the one that felt the worst, but the worst, like, actual beat was... So we had a parlay. It was a free bet plus 805, I want to say. So it would have been, you know, a little bit over $80, uh, which would have solidified a, a good week or a decent week at least. And we had USF to cover, I think it was minus four and a half, and they did easily, they went by like 18. And then we had Washington State minus three and a half. And they were up 21 late in the third. Oregon State scores a touchdown. Washington State scores a touchdown. Okay, so they're up 17 with nine minutes left. Touchdown, Oregon State. Okay, that happens. 10-point game. Now it starts to get a bit sweaty. Uh, But big play by Washington State. They get first and goal at the five. There's probably about, once it hits first and goal at five, it's probably about three-ish minutes, three, four minutes, if I remember right. They stall in the red zone, fourth and goal at the five, or uh, like three, whatever. I think there's about two and a half minutes left. They decide to go for it because 13 versus 10 isn't that big of a deal relative to a touchdown, which would end the game, right? It would, it would make it three scores. So I understand why they went for it. Could have gone either way, but I think going forward it's the right move, especially when you consider Oregon State would have to go the entire field. Okay, so fourth and goal to five, they don't get it. Fine. Oregon State's ball at their own five, or whatever yard line it was, three, something like that. A couple minutes to go. They drive the length of the field. I want to say there's about a minute left, and it's fourth and goal at the eight. Fourth and goal at the eight, down by ten. I, I don't know how, but they choose to go for it. Almost any coach would kick a field goal because you need a field goal and a touchdown at some point. You're unlikely to get two touchdowns. I mean, you're unlikely to do any of it, but you're unlikely to get two touchdowns, especially fourth and goal to eight. You kick the field goal, and then you, you onside kick, and you hope to set yourself up for you know, a quick drive or a home area. If you don't get it, the game ends on kneel downs, which is why most people would just kick because you, know, you keep yourself alive. I think the math would say to kick a field goal. I, I don't know exactly, but most coaches would kick a field goal, no doubt. So as soon as the incomplete pass happens on third and goal to eight, you know, I kind of put my hands up. All right, they're going to kick. I mean, Sean McVay would definitely be kicking there. Exactly. They go for it for some freaking reason. And of course, fourth and goal to eight, they score a touchdown and lose by three. So we lose on the hook there. It kills our parlay. That one, that one really hurt. You're up 21 late in the third. You're up 17 in the fourth. You have first and goal at the five up by 10 with a couple minutes left and all you need is a field goal. And you end up in a spot where you, you still think you won because you assume they're going to kick it for the eight. They choose not to. The odds are still in your favor because it's unlikely that they're going to actually score the touchdown from the eight, but they do. And we lose. It was a free bet. So we, whatever. Free bet goes away. 
Okay, the next one was the Baylor play. And this one I acknowledge we, we had some good fortune in one of the legs previous, not quite to this extent, but uh, a couple of late tackles to, to get us in this spot. Or, no, I'm confusing plays, but whatever. It was the, Bay- the Baylor play. We had every other... Oh, we had the Wyoming touchdown at the end. I actually don't know how they scored, but they scored a touchdown and got the two to cover their side. So there was some good fortune to get to the last leg. Baylor, plus 30 and a half. They are down 38 to 6. A couple minutes left. They have... They're driving. They stall out at the 15, at Texas 15. Obviously, a field goal wins it for us, but they choose to go for it. Down 32, I guess. They're just not going to the field goal. Fine. Another another field goal decision gone wrong, but fine. Uh, they don't get it. Then they stop Texas. They get the ball back. I don't know, maybe a minute to go, a minute and a half to go. They storm down the field, get all the way down to the two, but they're not calling timeouts this whole time. Yeah, the coach is just letting them play it out. First thing about the two, two or three seconds left. Obviously, they're not going to kick a field goal, although it would have been nice. They go for it. And even though Oregon State thought, you know, was able to score fourth and goal at the eight, Baylor's unable to score first and goal at the two. Uh, incomplete pass. It was kind of dropped. Kind of not like the easiest catch to make. And clock expires. Obviously, if they had used their timeouts, we would have been able to score if they had chosen to kick a field goal in either scenario. Or if the guy just caught it. But incomplete. And so we stall out twice in the red zone when we only needed three. And that was a that was a pretty big one. I think that was six or seven to one on a forty dollar play. You know, obviously, you you know you you flip that three hundred dollars around, and and we're we're looking at a, a fantastic week. Okay, those are the first two. Now the third one was the most controversial. This was also Caesar's parlay. This is fifteen and a half to one, if I remember correctly. It was a $27, whatever, play to 0.55 units. Um, so, yeah, it would have paid out $427. And the first three legs hit, as they often did this weekend. And we are down to Kayvon Wallace, under six and a half tackles, plus assists. 55 minutes of football are played, and he's got four. 55 minutes of football, so there's five minutes left in the game, and he's got four. We need him to have less than seven. He's barely halfway there. There is one last drive here for the Cowboys. First two places to drive, he gets tackles or assists, whatever. So he's quickly up to six, and I'm like, I cannot believe this. And in the back of my head, I'm like, after Washington State yesterday, after Baylor yesterday, like, we're going to get this. It's going to make the whole weekend amazing, right? Because, you know, you end up going from flat or down small or up small, you know, whatever it was, to up. 400 something dollars. These are mostly $10, $25 bets. Like that's, that's month changing and a huge deal for a lot of people, obviously. So fast forward the drive. He doesn't get any tackles for, for a couple plays and Dak throws a jump ball in the end zone from like maybe the 20 ref throws a flag for PI. I couldn't tell if it was or not. It was like kind of a close call, I guess. Ref throws the flag. Looks like he's going to call PI. I guess one of the other refs comes and talks him out of it. He picks up the flag. And by the way, when the flag's thrown, I'm like, yes, we probably just won because it's going to be first and goal at the one. They're going to sneak it. The Cardinals' safety isn't going to make a tackle first and goal at the one. And they probably don't even get the ball back. 
So, you know, my hands go up, then the ref pulls the flag, next play, run, you know, it was obviously a safety blitz, he ran it to that side, he almost didn't, I mean, I don't know, he ended up like at the bottom of the pile, he couldn't really see the play, but obviously he's going to get uh, at least an assist to tackle on the play, and we lose on the hook, right? So instead of plus 427, it's minus 27. So a huge difference. That was definitely the most painful um, just because of the amount to be won and because we'd already suffered a few bad beats. But it got more painful the next morning. So NFL.com has him still with six tackles on the game, which would make our bet win. Caesars must have seen this, and they regraded all of our bets to wins. So... (laughs) It got corrected in, in, in all of our systems. Money in the account. We won. It was about 45 minutes. I didn't bang it on Twitter because I, I knew that every other site had seven while NFL.com had six. So, you know, I, I was kind of like, let's not make too much hoopla about this. I don't want to draw attention to it or draw attention to how many people won. 45 minutes go by. And at some point they and some people withdrew and they end up with negative money in their account. Bets all got regraded as losses, and Caesar support gets bombarded by people. They gave a few people uh, changes to wins. The rest remained losses. A weird amount of people seem to have the over on uh, on this leg. I don't know uh, why that was, but a bunch of people uh, in the Discord were chatting about how they accidentally took the over, and they were happy, then upset, then happy again. But yeah, and that's basically how it ended. Uh, we We didn't get... The win there. So those were the three big bad beats of the weekend. I feel like they owe an extra tax for for just like a free bet to all these people that they put through the emotional distress of you've lost. Oh my god, the elation of you won and now taking it away again. Uh, I, I feel like that's free bet worthy just for the emotional distress. I agree. They should just give everybody uh, a free bet for their stake. I, uh, I agree. you know whatever their stake was, but. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a kick in the nuts for sure. Yeah, it what a roller coaster week to barely even lose money, you know. And and it's the funny thing about gambling, right? Like, so before Sunday night, because Sunday night we made back most of what we lost, and in the Discord we actually had a very good weekend overall, just because MGM did incredibly well again. Um, we hit uh, Bet Rivers like the parlay charts for like plus eight hundred something. Like VIP DraftKings did well. So like most of them were pretty happy, but there was definitely like on Twitter, a bunch of replies, like when are you going to hit a bed or stuff like that? Like DMs, not so nice, whatever. Um, you know, a few people in the Discord who don't have MGM or better was like, oh, I'm only on DraftKings FanDuel and I'm getting killed, whatever today. Like there's so much negativity, especially before the Sunday night, which again, anyone in that spot made most of it back to the elation of everybody thinking that they made, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars and that it was such a successful weekend and one day everyone's like that. This was, you know, you start, I start getting bombarded with, this was the best day of gambling I've ever had between MGM and Rivers and Caesars. Like you're the goat, you're the best, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's, no, it lost. Oh, okay. You know, like it's so funny that like one tackle or assist, NFL.com doesn't even care. They have six on one part of the site, seven on another changes your whole complexion of your day, your weekend, your, you know, your month even um, for a lot of people. So it's gambling. Man. So it, it is sort of like it did make me realize, not real. I mean, I've always realized, but it, it, it illuminated how 
especially when you're betting longer shots, especially when you're betting parlays, like, you know, all that, all that you need is a, and that's why I call it like a weekend of what ifs. All you needed was Baylor to, to catch the ball at the last play. All you needed was, I mean, even Devontae Smith to get two more yards. I thought that was one of the worst. All you needed was Oregon State to kick a field goal there at the end or Washington State to kick a field goal there at the end or Baylor to kick a field goal at the end or the ref not to pick up the flag. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's such a game of inches, as you could say. So, you know, I, I, I love having all the, this sort of action uh, on the games. I thought it was fun. Weekend overall, obviously, I'm a little biased toward, like, towards the, the Bet Rivers hit and the MGM hits and, and the VIP whatever hits. So, um, but I was really feeling the pain of the Caesars loss, especially there at the end in the Washington State. So I, I'm with you guys. Um, well, the last I spoke to you yesterday, you were calling Caesars uh, helpline <laughs> to talk to them about it. How uh, how'd that phone call go? Uh, they were very nice. I, I so I guess I guess to clarify, so first Caesars has the wrong uh, number on their website. Of course they do. They have it as eight eight five, and it should be eight five five. So I called just because I felt like it was becoming overwhelming the number of people that were like chatting support and I was reading messages of support people saying like you know kind of like being fed up so I kind of just called and said like look this whole thing's a mess obviously you regraded it as a win uh then you took it back like I don't know what the right answer is I it's probably seven right like we probably lost that bet for people that like looked into it and also like all the sites have seven um so I totally get it Either way, I mean, like, at this point, it's been a week, and, like, I'm not going to fight it like I did the Browns, because the Browns, when I, you know, the Red Zone, when I thought I was fighting for what's right, people should be graded right. I think the right answer here is probably a loss. So, but I just said, look, I know you're getting bombarded. All that stuff would stop. People would think Caesar's amazing. You know, like, DraftKings in the past has done this, where you just sort of void the leg. I mean, they've paid it out, but I was like, you just void the leg, you regrade the rest of the parlay. Um, for people that have the under, it's like a marketing thing. It was just an idea I had. It wasn't like a bag. I didn't, you know, I didn't come to them being like, oh, I lost. I should have won, whatever. I just said like, look, marketing opportunity for you guys. If you want, like, you'd look pretty good. So I called. They said that they would run it up the flagpole. <laughs> uh, we haven't heard back. I'm not optimistic, but, uh, you know, I've never done that before. I just, it was like, the amount of DMs, the amount of replies, the amount of Discord chats I was getting about people, like some people successfully, like actually kind of a lot, getting their, their bets regraded and just support getting bombarded. And even when I spoke to the person there, they were like, yeah, it's been, it's been a tough week of just, you know, getting killed with this thing. So I just figured I would, I would offer them like a, hey, you guys would look like the like true emperors if, if you did this, but I don't think it'll work. It was sort of a Hail Mary. Anyway, should we keep moving to grind my gears? Um, yeah. So I we had a fun uh Miami Dolphins uh game this past week where they put up 70 points. And I we talked about this yesterday. I think we're pretty on the same page here, but what do you think of how many points they put up and the way they ran up the score a little bit? Um, and do you think they should have kicked the field goal to uh to I think the record for most points is 73. So would you not want your name to be up there in the history books uh, tied for the most points ever put up in a football game? 
Um, or did you think it was the classic thing to do to not kick the field goal at the end of that game? I definitely gave away the how I feel about this by saying that that we're going to grind my gears. <laughs> grinds my gears is next. Although I guess I guess that I guess people don't know which way I feel. You know what really grinds my gears? Uh, I thought that the offensive display I, that Miami had was something I literally never seen before. Like they scored all ten touchdowns on offense, and there were a couple of turnovers, but like. There wasn't a kickoff return touchdown. There wasn't a pick six, a fumble six. Like usually when you have in order to get scores like that, it has to be bomb after bomb, turnover touchdown. Like there were a couple turnovers that, that set the Dolphins up in, in pretty good field. But it was like sort of like a normal amount. It wasn't like abnormal. Also, yeah, there were some long touchdowns, but like most of the touchdowns were running. It was just surgical. Like Every play felt like it was a good play for the Dolphins. And you look at the highlights and they're a joke. Against a Denver team that was, remember that stat flying around that like they would be 13 and four if they could score 18 points each game. Well, <laughs> not, not Sunday. They got to 20. Yeah, I thought it was like the most impressive thing ever. I would say in terms of running up the score, I, I'm so sick of people whining, especially for professional athletes about decor and running up the score like the Dolphins put their backups in in like the third quarter they scored their last touchdown with eight minutes left and there were like there was actually like multiple NFL owners reportedly were not happy with the way the Dolphins conducted themselves like, like with in regards to running up the score and people were actually complaining about the Dolphins did like are you kidding these are professional athletes getting paid millions of dollars and you're mad that Mike White, like that a backup quarterback, threw a touchdown with eight minutes left in the game to a backup receiver? Um, come on. Like, there's gotta be there's gotta be more competitive spirit, like probably like, you see this in college football all the time, and I'm always shocked that nobody cares. I guess they used to care, like if you think about like, I don't know, if you watch like the the U documentaries or whatever, but like Nobody cares when, like, Georgia or any team, like, literally any FBS team, UCF was doing it the other day to, like, Kent State, where they were two minutes left, have the ball, and they are fully throwing, fully, like, running hurry up and trying to score another touchdown up by 45 points. How is that okay? Well, I can somewhat understand the college uh, one because there's this committee that decides the playoffs. Relatively, yeah. Where in the NFL... It's binary. It's a win or a loss. But there's a lot of like to make the playoff, you have to have public opinion. So running up the score and having a huge dominant win somehow means more than a close win. So I do somewhat understand it in college. You also have to keep in mind that in college, the backups aren't career backups. The backups are the freshmen that will eventually grow into starters hopefully yeah even better guys that don't get to play they're but they're 18 19 year old kids and like nobody like there's no like there's no like justice for like the 20 year olds on kent state that are getting like their teeth knocked in by like clearly superior like these aren't professionals these aren't like the you know these aren't guys making millions to play football like they're 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 just like they're just kids they're they're trying to play football and they're like you don't need to like run up the score like that, like crazy. And again, I don't even mind it because you scheduled the game and that's kind of on like the ADs and stuff. But how could you possibly have a problem with what the Dolphins did 
which was completely take their foot off the gas. And, you know, whatever. Like, Denver was still trying to score. <laughs> uh, it's not like Denver... If Denver kneeled every play, I'm sure the Dolphins would kneel every play and be like, let's just go home and end this game. But no, Dem- Denver had, like, a kickoff return touchdown in the second. Like, I don't know. Uh, not that it was a competitive game, but, like, Wilson was still throwing late. So I, I-, I think that, like, the justice for the poor Denver... Broncos, I'm pretty sure it was Pat Sertan they got beat. Like, their number one corner, they got beat by uh, Chosen. It was. That got beat by Chosen Chosen. Okay, so your starters are still in. You're, like, you're playing competitive football. Like, what do you, like, <laughs> like, if Denver doesn't take their starters out and the Dolphins do, why is it the Dolphins' fault that they're scoring? It's not like, it's not like an FBS versus FCS team. Uh, so, anyway, that's really what grinded my gears, that people were just, like, bombarding the Dolphins. Like, they didn't do anything like they didn't score in the last basically quarter of the game like that's like nine minutes of the game and they even chose they even chose with several minutes left they had a easy field goal opportunity to set the record for points in a game and i i didn't see the actual play but it was like fourth down they, they just like kneeled it or ran it instead like on fourth and six or something right like that is the most courteous thing in the world because Frankly, a lot of teams would have kicked it. Uh, mm-hmm. Not in that scenario. It's not often you have a 50-point lead. But up 20 with three minutes to go, a lot of teams would have kicked it. Like, obviously, they would have gotten some backlash. But I think this whole pity party for Denver is ridiculous. Like, you had your starters in. You were throwing. You were trying to be competitive. It's not the Dolphins' job to let you back into the game. Not that there was a mathematical way to get back. But it's like, it's not... Like, we don't need to pat you in the back. Like, oh, you know, at least you won the fourth quarter. Like, no, we put our backups in. Like, we we ran the ball. We didn't kick the we didn't kick the field goal. Like, I agree. If, if, I'm, if I'm a Miami Dolphin coach, I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> like, we did everything we could. I agree fully. I just think that the one thing you have off is all the people complaining. It's not a pity party for Denver. One, because Denver does not seem to be a popular team that people like or care about. I think it's just this disdain for Miami and how good they are. It almost feels like when the Warriors were coming onto the scene and Charles Barkley kept saying, like, they can't keep it. Like, you don't win championships with threes. And everyone's like, all these old-fashioned, old-school football heads are like, this speed won't work. They're not tough enough. It won't work in the cold. And then when you see them put up these big scores, it's like, Oh, it's not classy. It's just complaining <laughs> because Miami. Yeah, is like I actually a, love that analogy. Uh, a kind but... of new way of playing. It's all speed. It's not a lot of bruising. It's just, it's kind of, it feels a little bit new age. And yes, I understand playoff football tends to look a little different, but like, we'll see if it works. And I think it's just hating on the fact that it's a new style of fast football. Yeah. Uh, by the way, not for nothing, but. Didn't the running backs combine for eight touchdowns? Like, they were running the ball. <laughs> yeah, they ran the ball for, like, th- I think, like, oh, 350. I think, I think one of their last touchdowns was a run. Like, what do you what do you want the Dolphins to do? Like, like not run into the end zone? Like, <laughs> I know one of them was, a, was, was the pass that I referenced, but, like, they were running the ball a lot. This wasn't Tyreek Hill. Like, I mean, he did, you know, he had the first touchdown, but, like, it wasn't Tyreek Hill just throwing bombs. Waddle didn't even play. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just an impressive display. But yeah, I do I do I do like your point about the Warriors and the hate that they got and how it was different and stuff like that. And this ultimately is probably more about 
hating on the Dolphins and pitting Denver. Especially, we talked about this on, on this show, like what Sean Payton said about Nathaniel Hackett. He said it was the worst coaching job in the history of football. Yeah. About Nathaniel Hackett last year. Well, Nathaniel Hackett did a lot better than Sean Payton's doing so far. Yeah. So, you know, there's a bit of what goes around comes around. But anyway, uh, we're going to do some uh, de-vigging. Uh, we're going to go through, I mentioned before, the McCaffrey boost. We're going to go through uh, the FanDuel boost from the other day and just how I looked at them. And, uh, and we'll get into that after the break. I'm in love with Mojo Fantasy. It's a crazy new app that turns sportsbook odds and selections into fantasy contests. Here's how it works. There are thousands of NFL and MLB player props. You build a portfolio, and the better your portfolio performs, the more cash you win. Pick as many props as you want and try and beat the crowd. Also, you can compare their lines to sportsbook lines to help yourself beat the crowd. Always EV bet. <laughs> anyway, it's that simple. Make picks, make moves, make money. Check it out on the App Store now. They're coming to more states and adding more sports soon. All right, and we're back. Uh, let's do a little bit of devigging. Uh, honestly, I told you not to explain this to me before the show because I wanted to talk about it on air. I barely know what you meant, so I suggested you use an example on air for me of what it looks like when you start talking devigging. So what do you got for me? Yeah, so two boosts we'll do today, one, one more complicated than the other. I will start with that one. So this was a FanDuel boost that I recommended, but I had it much lower EV than some other people had it. Uh, so it was, I'm going to try and remember it right off the top of my head. DeAndre Swift, Jalen Hurts, uh, oh, 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 Mike Evans was, was the other guy. It was one of those three, Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, Mike Evans, to score the first touchdown of the game, boosted a plus 300. A lot of people like to use Circa, and I do often as well for as like the quote unquote, like shark book for, um, devigging boost. But I always look at what all the books are offering, especially like if there's a consensus and you know, the major books are doing it. So Circa had Jalen Hurts at plus 515. They had Mike Evans at like 10 to one, DeAndre Swift at like, I don't know, seven to one and, and, I guess, I guess there probably was A.J. Brown included. He was like 8-1. to one. So th- these prices were lower than than like DraftKings across the board. And actually, the first nine guys on Circa were lower prices than the first nine guys on DraftKings. So basically, Circa had, and only three guys were higher, and it was barely higher, and only one guy on Circa was higher than the rest of the market, and it was barely so. So Circa had a lot more big than the other books, which normally, the reason why we would defer to... to Circa, Pinnacle sometimes, uh, you know, quote, sharper books is because they show better prices and they let you bet more on them. So there's kind of like more confidence there. So that's the reason why people use Circa for the DVIG. And basically, you know, you asked me to kind of explain what DVIG and there, there are several methods, but the simplest way to think about it is there's 120, like if you add up all the prices on Circa, it was like 120% of the market, like you would lose basically 20% if you bet on all of them, right? Um, 
So all the probabilities added up to like 1.2 instead of adding up to one. So in a Viglas world, it would just add up to 100% and each price would basically be fair, presumably, uh, if they took out the VIG. And all the probabilities would add up to 100%. So here they added up, uh, again, I don't remember exactly, but let's say 120%. So when we de-VIG, we take like the Jalen Hurts plus 515 price, let's say, and we try and figure out like what the, the actual fair odds are if if they were to move this 120% world into an 100% world with, with no VIG. And if you do basically any form of DVIG, again, there are different methods, that would have gotten Hertz to like, I don't remember, like plus 700 or something, you know, plus 650, something like that. And again, you know, doing this off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly how each individual split out. So, and then the other guys would have been, you know, whatever they would have been. And the way you would normally do this boost is you add up all the probabilities and you know you put them into a dvig but if you want to do like a simple one this isn't really the best one to do it for this but it's easiest to explain you would just divide them all by 1.2 because that's how much extra juice there is and we can get into the proportionalities but whatever right so if you do that you get plus 232 as the the fair odds for those guys one of those guys to score the first touchdown the problem is basically each of them Maybe not Mike Evans, but basically each of them, even after the DVIG, were lower or the same prices as where FanDuel, DraftKings, BetRivers, MGM, like where they all had people's first touchdown prices. And this is not a tight market. This is not a market where like you should expect every single sports book <laughs> to be showing a be showing unanimous plus EV prices across the board. Couple that with you know, if you looked at other first touchdown two-way markets with like Barstool or Pinnacle, Pinnacle's kind of nonsense because of how wide it is, but whatever. Uh, they wouldn't agree with Caesars, right? I mean, with Circa. They would agree with sort of the market consensus. Um, so I wasn't going to say that the fair first touchdown odds for Jalen Hurts were plus 650 when he's plus 700 on Bet Rivers, when he, on Canby, when he's plus 650 on MGM and DraftKings and whatever, like when that's just where he's priced at all these places that have no reason to show you very good pricing. It's one way. It's a, you know, long shot market with a thousand options. Like you can easily hide a lot of big there. Also, the whole argument for Circa being sharper, it's because they expose themselves to high limit gambling. They, you know, show tight pricing, stuff like that. Didn't apply, doesn't really apply here because yes, people could bet a lot, but since they, they weren't even showing the best price on the market for basically any bet except for like some random backup tight end at like 42 to one instead of 40 to one, they weren't actually exposing themselves to any decent price. Like they weren't like you, you yeah, you could bet a thousand dollars on Jalen Hurts to score the first touchdown at plus 515 when he's plus 700 elsewhere. <laughs> uh, nobody's going to do that. And if they do, they're, a sucker. So Circa didn't expose themselves. They, to me, Circa was communicating to us by not showing two-way prices like they normally do. Like they're very good about that by nerfing their prices for better or worse, that they weren't confident in this market. And really they nerfed the prices of like, again, the top nine guys in odds, which means the guys that people bet more often. So the way I viewed is why would I ignore the entire market? For Circa, in this case, when Circa is basically communicating to us that they are not confident in this market. And I can tell you, I can tell you with decent, you know, confidence 
that they didn't take a whole bunch of first touchdown prices on it. They probably took way less than DraftKings did. They probably took way less than FanDuel and MGM did. So what, like, they, they can't move their prices on sharp action stuff. There's no sharp action going into Jalen Hurts, first touchdown, plus 515, I can assure you. So, yeah, that's why I, I don't want to say threw them out the window, but that's why I'm not going to ignore every other sports book in the entire market because we are doing sort of a, like, a proportional DVIG of Circa. Like, we don't know how they applied that, say, 20% of VIG. To me, it looked like they applied it a lot more to the favorites than normal by having the top nine guys with their odds in. Probably because they didn't want people betting $1,000 on Jalen Hurts' first touchdown at a decent price. So they they extra nerfed it. That's how I view it. And I and, I, and uh, that's why I did sort of, uh, I looked at Barstool and Pinnacle. Does Circa tend to do that often? Like they nerf their lines a lot to make sure that there's not too much value. I thought that you have always said that they were kind of the sharpest, most accurate lines out well, there. Well, I, I never like to make the generalization because then people sort of, like in this case, kind of ignore the market. Like, yes, FanDuel sometimes limits people. They're honestly not that often. Yeah, you probably only get a couple hundred bucks down. But they're actually, like, exposing themselves. Like, they're actually showing prices that, like, I don't want to say beatable, but they're like real prices. Like Jalen Hurts plus 515 first touchdown. I'm sorry, it's not a real price. Uh, so anyway, like we would make fun of Caesars if they did that. Um, but anyway, so Circo does not do it often, but they're just less confident in props. Like they're, they're bread and butter sides and totals, and they try to dabble into props. And sometimes they do show tight prices for like anytime touchdown. Like honestly, pretty often to their credit, they show pretty tight two-way prices, even on the props that they show here they didn't, and that's like all like they're they're telling you that they're not that confident, uh, but they want to do it just in case somebody's stupid enough to bet Jalen Hurts first touchdown plus five fifteen. And honestly, there was like a plus seven hundred that was plus a thousand elsewhere. Like they were off, they were low, um, basically across the board. So I I can't trust a to guess a traditional DVIG guessing with so much VIG. Uh, of Circo where each individual price ends up being lower than the market. Like that, to me, that doesn't make sense. So that, that's why I didn't do it that way. Um, I know you have to go soon. So sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, so anyway, so I'm going to cut to the next boost, which is going to be a lot faster. Christian McCaffrey, 75 plus rushing yards boosted to plus 100. So 75 plus is over 74 and a half. Um, I only bring this one up because it's really good for people to get into EV betting. Like, you know, some of this stuff can be overwhelming. This is sort of like an easy one to look at as well as just, I know that there was some discrepancies over, you know, how good it was or whether it was good at all um, on Twitter. So I just, I thought I'd run through it. So over 74 and a half plus a hundred. So what does that mean? That means that is Christian McCaffrey more or less likely than 50% to get over 74 and a half. So his other prices across the board were 78 and a half. So like DraftKings, MGM, Caesars, like they all kind of below each other. Um, where FanDuel and Canby are a little bit different. So the, the group of people that follow each other, they were all 78 and a half. Several of them were plus 100 on the under. None of them were, were favored towards the under. 
right? So when I say plus 100 on the under, you could have bet over 74 and a half with the Caesars boost, under 78 and a half at plus 100 at DraftKings or Caesars, I believe, in the two books that were plus 100 on the under. And if, and it's riskless, no matter what, you can't lose. You can win both bets if he finishes between 75 and 78. So in that four yard range. So, Fandu was actually as high as 81 and a half. I believe Canby was 80 and a half. Um, there was, um, there was another book that was, that was 80 plus. I assume it was Canby because they differ from the group. And so, the way I do these boosts is, uh, or the way I would calculate the actual EV. So to me, it's, it's clearly plus EV because you can do that and because no book has, doesn't have 78 and a half favorite. And if you're favored for 78 and a half, or 50-50 for 78 and a half, you're certainly favored for four yards below. This is a valuable boost. A lot of these edges aren't, you know, Justin Herbert one plus touchdowns, but it doesn't mean that, you know, they're not, they're not notable. Uh, and that, that's like what we do. Like we, you know, we find edges and, and we play them. So anyway, the way I debig it, which gets a little bit more complicated is per player's rushing yards. I, I basically have like the average standard deviation, like of a guy that, that is expected to get 78 and a half, his standard deviation would be, you know, X, uh, I'd have to look, but it's like 36 or something. And so if you look at, okay, 78 and a half to be conservative. Yes. Fandles at 81 and a half. Yes. Campy's at 80 and a half, but let's go with 78 and a half. Even though people are favored over, I put in 36. Again, I have to look, but I'm just doing this quickly above 74 and a half gets you 54.42% of the time. So what does that mean? 54.42% of the time, it's gonna be like minus 118, uh, maybe like minus 120, minus 119 and a half. And that would be, you know, almost 10%. I had this at the time, I think it's minus 127, so maybe like 11%. Uh, the standard deviation must be a, a little bit different than what I had, but you guys kind of get the idea. Like, what you know, if you ever see a line at 78 and a half and, you, and you're trying to figure out, let's say it wasn't as obvious as like plus 100, but it was minus 110, which I still would have taken. You, you can do this, but you can also, like all we're really trying to figure out is what are the odds that it finishes between 75 and 78? So if I do the same thing, and this is going to mesh, you know, with the thing. So it's 3.32%, right? Um, to end up between 75 and 78. And that may not sound like a lot, but again, when you're, when you're like, when you're able to win both 3.32% of time and you win nothing, uh, and you lose nothing, if it doesn't end up in there, that's pretty dang good. Um, so that's, that's the Caesars boost that, and then again, I did the, the Fandle boost. So those are both of the DVIGs for the day. We're going to try and do a few more of these. Uh, I've gotten some feedback. That's kind of the stuff that people really seem to enjoy, uh, just how I go about it, how I think about it. Uh, obviously the, the, the circle one gets a little more complicated it can be sort of a difference of opinion, but that's just sort of where, where my thoughts on it were. Any questions? How often does that middle ground end up actually hitting in your experience? I know you said it was like 3% chance. Um, and are those like kind of typically some of the more exciting uh vigging experiences you've had? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, <laughs> if, if you need any example of, 
uh, how close bets can end up being, right? Like this weekend is a is a perfect example. He actually was on 74 for a while, and there was some doubt whether he was going to come back in the game. Like it happened. I mean, it's it's not it's not the norm, but if you think about it more simply, and I'm actually surprised that it came to be that small, to be honest. Um, but the the reason I say that is because like. He's not going to end up, I mean, you could figure, let's say, like, the realistic boundaries that, you know, if you just want to think about it ra- rationally, like, the realistic range that he, he can be in is, like, 40 to 180, let's say. So, those four yards can end up being, like, you know, I, don't, I already forgot what I said, oh, like, 140 yards, so, like, four out of 140, but they're the most likely of those yards, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't do the middle thing very much. Like I just took the boost and it won and that's great. But yeah, I mean, anytime you, you have a middle, it's, it's extremely exciting and it happens. And I think better struggle with discounting sort of like long shot possibilities. Like, oh, what are the odds he ends up exactly there? And that's why like when you, when you lose a, a bet, like I, I see this all the time. Like I took a bet at, let's say over 74 and a half and the odds moved. And I tell people, just wait, I'll replace it. And they're like, ah, I just took it at 77 and a half anyway, right? Well, <laughs> the Christian McCaffrey, let's say he ends up with 76 yards. And they're like, what are the odds that I lost on that? Like, well, they're not high, but, you know, if you do it all the time, like you're, you're, you're killing the edge. So, yeah, it happens. And that's that's like our whole EV thing of finding value. Yeah, I mean, those just, those just have to be the fun ones. All right, well... Um, Please feel free to reach out to me with any questions, especially on the two DVIGs I did. Happy to have conversations about it. Obviously, this weekend will be a bit busier. I mean, all the weekends now are just with football, but, you know, I'll, I'll, def- I'll definitely try and I, I just turned my DMs on for everyone. So uh, I didn't realize that it was only verified users or something for a little bit. But uh, feel free to DM me, Twitter, Discord, whatever. Um, that is it for our show today. Stay tuned to my stuff on all platforms. And the Promo Guy podcast will be back next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, TBG.